What's up, everybody? This is Keith from the Bronx Lounge. Thanking you for tuning in to today's episode as Cav and I break down all things Yankees baseball and have a great time. Check us out on all social platforms at the Bronx Lounge for daily Yankee content and to join the awesome community we hope to build. We hope you enjoy this episode just as much as we enjoy making it. And without further ado, sit back, relax, and let's talk some Yankees in the Bronx Lounge. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Bronx Lounge Podcast. Keith got a little banged up in his last start. He will be on the IL for this one. Should be back for the next one. I am going to be riding solo in this podcast it's going to be a little bit of a shorter one it's going to be a quick recap of the Cardinals taking two out of three from the Yankees in St. Louis some rough things to talk about within this series a couple of good things and really just starting off with how I feel about this series overall the feelings is not good Um, we lose two out of three to a team that is now 13 games under 500 they have been one of the more disappointing teams in Major League Baseball this year. They're last in the National League Central, which is a mid-division to begin with. And they find ways, they have found ways all year long to lose games. So for the Yankees to go in, look sluggish, not be able to put enough runs across, another bad Severino start, you lose two out of three, After taking two out of three in Oakland and having the perfect game and things feeling pretty good coming off of that series, you completely lose the momentum against a really bad team. And now you go back home and you play a Baltimore team who is, you know, you're chasing right now at the stadium. And the momentum is now not what it was in the Oakland series. And I feel like that is kind of important when you're playing this Baltimore team. Anyway, we will jump into that a little bit later. Let's do a little bit on some of these games. So obviously, game one was supposed to be on Friday night. It was supposed to be Luis Severino versus Jay Flair. Got rained out. The rain obviously was a big, big factor in this whole series. And they decided that they were going to do this the Saturday doubleheader. And the Yankees came out with Severino on the mound, coming off that you know really good start at home, you you know, against Texas, and you thought that maybe he was starting to figure it out. Maybe he was trying to get back, you know, starting to get back on track and make things happen. And Severino gets absolutely shelled. Starts with, you know, five runs in the third inning coming off of the the three-run homer by Paul Goldschmidt. Five Five runs in the third, two runs in the fourth, and four runs in the fifth, and that's all. St. Louis needed. When you when you look at Severino right now, I'm very concerned because he continues to get bitten by using his fastball. He's using his fastball. I think he used his fastball at a 60-something percent clip in this start. He got hit around on the fastball. We've seen in his past blow-up starts, he's gotten hit on the fastball. We've talked about it on the podcast. And he still continues to throw it. And it's almost like an ignorant thing. It's almost like, okay, 
you guys, you know, continue to beat me with my fastball. I'm going to continue to throw it until you can't beat it. And for me, it's just not working right now. I mean, obviously, just not working out for him right now. He goes four innings. He goes up nine hits in four innings. I mean, this is the Luis Severino that, you know, in 20, 2019 was almost unhittable. Was, you know, was looking like he was going to be one of the pillars of this Yankee team for, you know, the next 10 years. You know, they signed him to the contract. He was that good. And now four innings, nine hits, seven runs, three walks, only two strikeouts through 87 pitches in four innings, just laboring, gives up a ton of hits. The fastball just flat. I believe it was two miles an hour under the average. I think his last start, the average was 97 against Texas. Average fastball velocity was at 95 in this game. And obviously he gets hit around. And then, you know, if you look just at his numbers this year now because you know he's had he had those first couple of good starts when he when he came off the IL and then he had the couple of blow-ups and then we just saw him have a good start against Texas and now another blow-up against St. Louis and if you look at his 2023 season statistics I mean one in three with a 6.3 ERA and a 1.65 whip a 6.3 ERA on the season for a guy who has ace stuff. I mean, he just does. He's got ace stuff. A 6.3 ERA, just not going to cut it. This Cardinals team, their problem hasn't been the hitting this year. It's been the pitching, but they haven't, you know, hit pitchers out of, you know, the ballpark a ton this year. They haven't been, you know, a juggernaut offensively. And Severino just got absolutely shelled in this one. And... I'm starting to get concerned. The fastball velocity seems to me like you're starting to get some fluctuation with, you know, the average in each start. I mean, I know when he first came back, we talked a little bit, you know, about how his fastball velocity was down. It looked flat, and then we saw it kind of jump back up, back closer to the norm. And then to have two miles an hour difference from the Texas start to this start, I think is important. And I think there might be, I think there is some room for Yankee fans to be concerned that there might be an underlying issue here with Severino because I don't think, you know, I feel like he's had enough starts now at this point where he should be ramped up. He should be, you know, good in terms of, you know, fastball velocity and, you know, working up in the pitch count. I mean, obviously he's working up in the pitch count. We, we know that he's built up, you know, to, to, to go to 100 pitches now at this point. So I think the fastball velocity should be something that isn't as inconsistent as it has been. And that, for me, is definitely, definitely concerning. I mean, you also saw, I mean, Matt Crook in this game. Again, you know, he comes in in the fifth inning after Severino's four. And, you know, once again, I understand Matt Crook, you know, has been put in two bad situations with the blowout in Boston and the blowout here in St. Louis. But Matt Crooks has a 21 ERA on the year right now. Gave up, you know, two runs in his inning in a third. Walked three guys. And obviously the rain delay happens. You know, the, the one you know fun part from this game is, is the Donaldson pitching in game one. And um, actually threw a little bit harder, you know, than everybody thought. Some interesting things from Donaldson. And, you know, he seemed to have a good time. And I, I did see some reports that, you know, him pitching kind of lighten the mood and, you know, help them kind of flush out, you know, this blowout loss in the first game of the doubleheader to get them to game two, you know, which they did win. So if that is, you know, the case, then then hats off. 
But again, just the pitching, just not getting it done in this one. And we've talked about this. Me and Keith have talked about this, you know, plenty, pretty much on every single podcast, you know, that we've had this year. And it, it's just that the pitching has not been the problem. But Severino has been the problem. And I, I do, you know, you are starting to hear some rumblings in, you know, on Twitter and you were, you know, in, in the media, you know, is, you know, Severino about to start losing starts. I mean, Johnny Brito, if you take out those two, you know, Minnesota Twins starts, the one at home and then the one in Minnesota, which was also bad. I mean, I think he's got an ERA under two this year without those two starts. And Brito has, you know, shown in his last couple of starts when he gets brought up that he has pitched, you know, right, you know, fairly well. He's been good. Is there a chance we start to see Luis Severino maybe lose some starts here? I mean, you know, everybody also talked about Randy Vasquez, and I don't think he is as far along, you know, and you know, in people, you know, in Yankees fans' minds, as Brito is, but at the same time, Severino is really hurting this team right now. He's he's making it hard, you know, to go into one of his starts and feel like the Yankees have a chance to win these games because a lot of these starts lately have been blow up, and you don't even give them a chance. I mean, you know, especially with the way the offense is performing right now, with Judge not in the lineup. You score, you know, you give up seven runs through four innings, the game's over. You know, you know that this Yankees team is not going to be able to hit to get back into it, especially against Jack Flaherty, who had it in this start. And he's been, you know, really inconsistent, but he's had a couple of starts where he's been really good for the Cardinals. And this was one of them because his offense, once again, just continues to struggle. You know, there were a few things offensively, you know, to talk about in terms of positives from game one because they did end up scoring four runs. They got a couple of runs late, you know, which obviously, you know, helped them momentum-wise for game two of the doubleheader with, you know, Jake Bowers with two RBIs on the home run. You also had Oswaldo Cabrera with three hits in this game. So, you know, his average now over 200, hopefully, you know, maybe that's, you know, a sign that, you know, when he was down in AAA for a little bit, maybe he was able to, you know, figure some stuff out. Definitely, you know, a really good game for him. And Volpe continues to have better at-bats. Two hits in game one. Really, you know, starting to show some better at-bats. Willing to hit the ball the other way has been a big thing for me when I watch Anthony Volpe's at-bats. It doesn't seem like he's trying to pull and kill every single pitch that he swings at. And I think that with the way he is constructed, as a human being, I think him taking the approach of taking the ball the other way will benefit him. It will be it will be good for him because he you know he has some power from the shortstop position. Don't get me wrong, but the guy's not going to go out and hit 40 home runs. So the guy is going to need to find ways to get up base. And I said this on the last podcast with Keith. The biggest strength for Volpe right now is the base running and what he can provide this team when he's on the base pass. And you know home runs are great, but home runs don't get him on base. And, you know, strikeouts don't get him on base. And flying out to left field because he's trying to pull everything and get it out of the park is not doing this team any good. So for him to be, you know, looking like he's starting to take the approach of on-away pitches, hitting the ball the other way, he was able to get, you know, a triple in this series, hitting the ball the other way, get himself on base, let him make things happen on the base pass. And another two hits, we talked about will be in the last pod and how he had been better. And he comes right back in on this first game of the, the St. Louis series, and he keeps up, keeps it up with two hits think that is it for game one let's go to game two this was the michael king game game two of the doubleheader they opened with ian hamilton this was a full bullpen game and 
I do have a little bit of a gripe with Aaron Boone about opening with Ian Hamilton. Obviously, this was Ian Hamilton's first appearance since coming off the IL. He had been on the IL for a little bit now. It feels like it's been a really long time. And I think this was only the second time that we have seen the Yankees go a full opener in a game with just the full bullpen. And when they did it in Toronto for Brito, they opened for Brito, they went with Jimmy Cordero. And Jimmy Cordero has been good in, you know, has been good this year. I think he's been a little bit undervalued because, you know, the big guys in the bullpen for the Yankees have been really good all year. And he, you know, is not one of those big guys at the back end of the bullpen. He's been really good. And when they did open him in Toronto, he was very effective and gave Brito, you know, some space to maneuver through the middle of that lineup in the middle innings and get himself comfortable, and he did a good job. So if they were going to go with an opener in this series, why wouldn't Boone go with the one that worked when they tried to do it earlier in the year? You know, why don't you open with Cordero in this in this game? Instead, you go to Ian Hamilton, who obviously it's his first, you know, appearance back off the IL. The Yankees are able to score in the first inning, but... Ian Hamilton gives it right back up on a large Newt Bar home run, and I just when I when I when Newt Bar hit that home run, I couldn't help but thinking that I felt like that was a tough spot for Ian Hamilton to come into. You know, starting a game when a reliever, you know, of hit, like like him is not used to even going out and starting games to begin with, and then he comes off the IL, and that's his first appearance. I mean, obviously we know in the minor leagues when you do your rehab starts it's all planned out exactly you know exactly when you're going to pitch you know exactly the situation you know exactly what inning you know how many pitches you're you know designed to throw so why not ease Ian Hamilton in a little bit more in you know a middle innings appearance you know not too high leverage let him get his feet back wet again instead you throw him right into the fire to open up a game something that any reliever is already uncomfortable doing and I just thought that it was a little bit odd that Ian Hamilton was the one who opened up this game. But, again, you know, Cordero didn't look very good in the third game of this series anyway, so maybe, you know, there's something going on with Cordero. There could be a multitude of reasons why Aaron Boone didn't go to Cordero and and went to Hamilton instead, but I just thought it was interesting, and I thought, you know, I kind of disagreed with it a little bit. But regardless, Volpe with the triple to right field, like I talked about in game one, you know, taking that approach balls on the outside of the plate just smacking them the other way and letting your speed get you on base letting things happen he triples scores like ikf yankees go up 3-1 in the second on a lemayhu sack fly which will be scores on walker uh jordan walker for the cardinals doubled in the third 3-2 yankees score a couple of runs later in the game on the sacrifice on the uh suicide squeeze and they win this game 6-2. to two. So they, they split the doubleheader after the absolute blowout in Game 1. And when you look at, you know, the bullpen performances in this one, obviously, when you have a full bullpen game and you give up two runs, that means your bullpen did a great job. They went nine innings and they gave up two earned. And obviously, one of those earned runs was... In the first inning on the Lars Newbar home run, Ronnie gave up a home run, and Ronnie didn't look great. He came in right after Hamilton. But if you just look at the pitchers that were used in this game, too, you know, Ian Hamilton went one inning, gave up one earned. 
Ronnie 1.2 with one earned, and then after that it was just absolute shut piece. The, the player of the game, Michael King, three and a third innings, no runs, only 36 pitches in three and a third, two strikeouts, only one hit, didn't give up a walk, so three and a third, only one base runner, very efficient. Wandy came in and shut it down for an inning. Canely came in and shut it down for an inning, and then Clay shut it down in the ninth. So, I mean, we've talked about this, you know, on a multitude of occasions for the Yankees this year, how good the bullpen's been. And, you know, they were able to save, you know, a lot of their guys for this game, too, in King and Wandy and Canely and Clay. And they were able to obviously be able to shut the door on this Cardinals offense. So a great job by the bullpen in this game. I mean, obviously, you know, we don't win this game without the bullpen. And then offensively, you know, you did get, you know, a couple of performances. Once again, you know, Volpe puts his, you know, his his mark on this game with another two hits at the end of this game. His average was sitting at 220. I mean, I feel like it was just maybe a week and a half, two weeks ago. We were still talking about how he was under 200. So for him to be now at 220 coming out of this game too another two hits it seems like you know he just continues to stack games with multi-hits now really really good to see obviously you know Glaber had two RBIs in this game on the one hit you know Bader with an RBI offense did enough offense wasn't great but this you know game two was all about the bullpen but the the problem with doing these openers in these full bullpen games is that it hurts you moving forward because obviously Michael King throws three and a third innings in this game, and he was absolutely terrific, but he's obviously not going to be available for the Sunday night rubber match. We've seen so far this year that Boone is now willing to go to Tommy Canely two days in a row, still trying to work him back from his injuries. He pitches in this game too with a double header, so he is not available on Sunday. Clay Holmes, they they have a little bit more flexibility with Clay Holmes, but again, he throws an inning, 14 pitches. Ronnie threw 40 pitches in this game, so obviously Ronnie is not going to be available for the game on Sunday. So obviously we kind of see what is going to happen in, in, in this game three. There's only a couple scenarios that happen. It's either Cole shuts it down and you don't have to rely on the bullpen so much. The offense gives you some runs and you take and you win. Or if this is a close game and Cole cannot give you a ton of length, then you might be in trouble. And that's exactly what happened in the game three because Cole wasn't bad. Uh, you know, he was six innings, two earned, five strikeouts, and two walks. Gave up two runs in the fourth inning. But other than that, he was pretty shut down. He looked pretty solid. And six innings on a normal day is okay. Six innings from your starter. I mean, especially in this day and age, you know, to have to get three innings out of your bullpen is, you know, not a not a crazy ask at this point you know where we are in baseball but when you use all of those guys in the night doubleheader the day before they're not going to be able to be used in this one and we saw exactly that because they then go to Cordero right after Cole and Cordero just gives up you know just just completely you know craps the bed gives up three runs and two innings five hits you know he didn't have it and, you know, once again, I also feel like it's tough because, you know, when you have so many guys in the bullpen and you rely on, you know, your top guys, it's hard to get everybody in. And I understand that. But I feel like I hadn't seen Cordero in a long time. And I don't remember who I was talking about um, maybe two or three podcasts ago. It might have been Ronnie 
you know, they, he, you know, hadn't pitched for a long time. He comes in, he looked flat, he didn't look sharp. And, you know, maybe that disproves my point that he should have started the, the, the doubleheader game two the night before. But, you know, the Yankees needed either the offense to show up or they needed Cole to absolutely dominate in this game. And even though Cole was good and the start from Cole, you know, should be, you know, was good enough to keep them in the game, it wasn't a shutdown. It wasn't domination. And the offense, you know, the offense just did absolutely nothing. I mean, they were able to get a run in the seventh on the Bowers double where IKF scored. And after that, that was it. Only three hits in this game. And again, the offense has been a little bit better <clears throat> as of late. They score six runs in game two of the doubleheader. They score four runs in game one. We've seen some really bad performances from them offensively. And you're going to, from time to time, see these games where they score one run or they get shut out on three or four hits. It's just going to happen with the way that the offense is constructed right now with no Aaron Judge in the lineup. I mean, DJ continues, you know, to not be DJ. He was 0 for 4 in this game on Sunday. Glaber Torres was 1 for 4. Stan 0 for 3. Bader 0 for 4. IKF 0 for 4, who had a pretty good series up to that, up until yesterday at the plate. Trevino 0 for 2. McKinney came in and, you know, so did Higgy, and neither of them were able to get a hit. Volpe had one hit in this game. Bowers had one hit in this game, and that's it. And really, to be honest with you, no matter how good Garrett Cole is, if you're going to score one run of three hits, you're most likely not going to be able to win that game. So it's not even really on Garrett Cole. It's just on the offense. But you have to expect that the offense is going to have games like this because we've seen this. The guys are struggling. The big guys, obviously, no Rizzo in this game. And, you know, obviously a really tough way to lose a series to, you know, pretty much not be able to put up a fight in the last game, but you're going to have those games like that when the lineup looks like this. But, I mean, thankfully, they weren't able to lose any ground. I mean, at some point, you know, we've said this the last couple of podcasts, I mean, at some point, they're going to have to start gaining ground on Tampa and Baltimore. It's not going to be, you know, good or fine just to not lose ground. You know, still nine and a half back of Tampa, five and a half back of Baltimore, and you have a big series coming up against Baltimore that we're going to talk about in a minute. But, you know, <clears throat> at some point you're going to have to start stacking wins because, you know, you're stuck in that third wild card spot. You're one and a half up on Toronto. Houston's starting to play a little bit better baseball. Your Don Alvarez is starting to, you know, ramp back up. He's going to be back, you know, coming soon. And Houston, you know, we know what Houston is. Houston right now at only eight games over and second in the division in the AL West is, is a sleeping giant. I mean, they're going to keep going. Baltimore doesn't sh seem to be showing any signs of slowing down right now is they're 16 games over. Toronto, we know you know what they're capable of. We know how talented they are. The Angels are playing really good baseball. Shohei Otani can't not hit a home run when he goes up to the plate right now. So, you know, they need to start gaining ground, playing better baseball. And I know they won a couple series before this one, but these are the teams that you have to take series from. You have to get the job done because it's just going to get harder. I mean, now, you know, looking you know, at this Orioles series, I mean, you're five and a half back right now. So, you know, you have a chance to gain some ground or you have a chance to, you know, lose some really significant ground that could really hurt you moving forward. And again, we talked about, you know, Domingo Herman at length, obviously for the perfect game in the last podcast. But the two starts before the perfect game were absolutely horrendous. And he's going to go in game one of this series. He's going tonight. 
against Tyler Wells, who has surprisingly been pretty good with a 3-2-1 ERA. <clears throat> you know, or did he maybe turn the corner with the perfect game, or was you know was that just a you know a night where he had everything going, and you know we're going to have some regression to the mean because the first you know the last two starts before the perfect game were bad. So I don't know that I'm super confident that Domingo is going to be able to go out and give us a good start. Then you have Clark, who has you know shown some major improvements from the beginning of the season and had a pretty okay start against Baltimore early in the year, but. You know, he hasn't been great either. He didn't have a great start, you know, in his last one in Oakland. It was, you know, gave up a couple of runs early. You know, Kyle Gibson has not been good either, but he, you know, I I, I remember as a Yankee fan watching Kyle Gibson shut us down, you know, from time to time when, you know, he was on different teams. You know, and then you're undecided for the third game against Dean Kramer. So, I mean, is that going to be a Randy Vasquez? Is that going to be a Johnny Brito? I don't think it's going to be a Johnny Brito because I believe if it was going to be Johnny Brito, they would have to put somebody on the IL because they haven't, it's been, it hasn't been 15 days since they sent Brito down. So I don't believe it would be Brito. Are they, you know, thinking that they're going to go with another opener or are they going to bring up Randy or, you know, is Rodon, you know, suspected, you know, to come on, you know, a little earlier than you know, we thought, because, you know, we've been told it's going to be the Cubs series. I don't know what they're going to do. But again, if they are going to go with the bullpen, then we need Domingo and Clark to give length. We need at least six or seven for both of those guys in both of those starts to be able to go with the bullpen game in game three, unless they're going to go with Randy or, you know, God forbid, Brito. Again, you know, a couple of main takeaways from this series you know, Severino is now, you know, big cause for concern. I almost feel like I'd rather see Brito out there right now. That's how bad it's been for Seve. You know, the offense can't get anything going in the rubber match, you know, to give Cole any runs. You know, they lose, and the bullpen in game two was, you know, really good and was really the only reason that we were able to win any games in this series. And if, oh, if the Yankees got swept in St. Louis, this would be a lot different of, you know, a lot of, a very different tone in this podcast right now. But nonetheless, big series coming up, you know, just, you know, early in the week here, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday against Baltimore. I don't know what my expectations should be. I mean, I feel like, you know, since you're at home, you want to take two out of three. Uh, I'm sorry, it's actually a four-game series. So Severino will go against Kyle Bradish in the fourth game. On Thursday, so you know, once again, we'll get to see if Seve is going to bounce back at home, or you know, if it's going to be rough. And then you have Chicago over the weekend, and me and Keith will actually be at the game on Sunday. We're going to be going to the game on Sunday, so we'll probably be getting to you guys Monday after that series. But regardless, four-game series against Baltimore, at least you need a split at home. I don't know if you can confidently say right now that you could take three out of four from, you know, a team that's five and a half back up on you, even if you are at home. I don't really feel confident that the offense, you know, is going to be able to, you know, out-hit Baltimore for three games. So, you know, I feel like the realistic ask is to split. And I know that, hey, you know, that's not a good sound or, you know, not a good thing to hear for Yankee fans. But, I mean, you know, just being realistic here, I don't know, you know, what else you're supposed to do. I mean... Anyway, let's just do a little quick housekeeping before we get out of here. 
Obviously, Carlos Rodon, you know, just touched on him. He had his last rehab start, um, went three and a third, had eight strikeouts, only gave up one hit, did not give up a run. So obviously, great. He came out and said that he's never felt better. So it looks like everything is moving in the right direction for Rodon to start against Chicago over the weekend to make his Yankee debut. Obviously, that is, you know, a really good thing. You know, pitching is not the problem right now, but you can always use it. And Rodon is, you know, supposed to be, you know, the second ace of the staff, you know, to help out Cole. So obviously, a really good update for Rodon. You know, Nestor, you know, is still expected to return possibly in July. So, you know, haven't had anything good on him. Judge is, you know, it now looks like it might possibly be August, you know, which is which is tough. Late July for really July for Greg Allen. You know, once again, not a ton of, you know, stuff to talk about. Jonathan Loazica did start his throwing program. They're expecting him in either late August or maybe, you know, early September. There was even a little bit of talk about Frankie Montes. You know, saying that, you know, well, he might be back in September. I don't even care to see Frankie Montes. I mean, at the end of the day, it's just going to be to show other teams that, you know, he can pitch, you know, because he's going to be a free agent. He's not going to be able to help us this year, so I don't care about him. And other than that, I think that is going to do it for this episode. I know it's a little bit of a short one. I was just riding solo in this one. Keith will be back for the next podcast when we recap on Friday morning, the four-game series at Yankee Stadium between the Orioles and the Yankees. We might either be feeling really down or feeling like we're still able, you know, to swim our heads slightly above water and keep this going while Aaron Judge is out. We will see. We'll see how the Yanks play. And as my co-host always says at the end of every podcast, Mr. Keith O'Neill himself, let's go Yanks.